Welcome to the uh, actually first episode that we've done of Driving Sports Live since 2009. <coughs> Things have changed quite a lot since 2009. Back then we had to have a, a big box that did all the transcoding, which then uploaded to the mysterious thing before it was called a cloud. Uh, but now we have everything smaller and more of them, so it's cool. Anyway, welcome to Driving Sports TV Live. I'm your host, Ryan Douthit. Let me pull up my credit here because... Uh, Joe's over there running the multicam, but uh, yeah, he uh, he can't do everything, at least not on this show. He's uh, still a newbie in training. Sorry, Joe. Okay. So yeah, okay. So here we are. We're uh, welcome to Driving Sports Live. We are going to talk about infotainment systems that you get from the factory when you buy a new car. Now, I know this might not be the very first thing you consider when you buy a new car, uh, but it's kind of a big deal. It's a big ticket item when you're optioning a vehicle. And in some vehicles, you don't really have any option, uh, which we'll talk about momentarily. But did you know that picking the wrong system might actually be dangerous? Yes. Joining me are Joel Fetter from MotorAuthority.com. Hi, Joel. Hello. And we also have Sarah Shelton from US News and World Report. Hello, happy to be here. Great. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit more with them later in the show. Uh, but first, I wanted to kind of get everybody up to speed here. Let's talk about the State of the Union of auto Automotive Entertainment. So we're going to kick off with the 2018 Honda Odyssey. Now, recently I had a chance to drive the 2018 Odyssey, of course, it included a top-end infotainment system with XM radio and all that because it was the elite model. But it also had a lot of van-specific features. It actually has like a PA system for the second row and a camera. Look at that. That's cool, isn't it? I thought so. But for me, the real mind-blowing feature was the smartphone integration they included that allows passengers to add their own music playlists uh, to what's going on in the car. It even allows, say, the tween in the second row to take out their mobile device and say, hey, you know what, Dad? We're on the way to Grandma's. I want to go to Starbucks. They can add Starbucks into their little, uh, into their iPhone app. It will then suggest that destination to the driver to add it to the current navigation course. Of course, the suggestions do come up as prompts for the driver, which diverts the attention of the driver from the road to the nav system. Still, it's pretty amazing tech and that really addresses how families want to engage in the vehicle during long trips. And as you see here, there's even second row entertainment that's not just CDs or Blu-rays. This, this PBS Kids, this is actually streaming off the LTE. Even if you forget the disc, you've got it with you. Another groundbreaking system we want to talk about is Volvo. Uh, recently, we had the 2018 Volvo S90. Um, it's a lovely system that's based on, as you can tell, kind of an iPad look. Um, it does take a little bit going, you know, it takes a little while to kind of work, essentially. And you know, see here, it's booting and booting, and it's still not taking it inputs. It, it eventually will get going. And then once it boots, it's good and it's fast and it's, it's a lovely system. It's um, actually really, really pretty. Of course, it doesn't always work the way it should. Uh, in fact, I have no idea why, in this particular instance, when I was on camera, I couldn't get it to put the letter T in. 
I even uh, resorted to using Palm Script. If anybody remembers that, look, there's a seven. That's actually a T in Palm Script. Uh, but I'm kind of dating myself here, but that, that didn't work either because, of course, it doesn't read Palm Script. Anyhow, lots of great ideas in this system. Uh, but it does still distract from the driver. It, it, it's a large touchscreen. The screen changes quite a lot depending on which mode you're in. So you kind of have to glance over it and go, oh, it, am, am I in the right mode? Okay, I'm going to click this or that. Uh, but now we're going to move on to probably my least favorite modern system, uh, which is in a lot of cars. But this one in particular is in one of my favorite cars, the LC500. Uh, it's called the Lexus Inform system. And I know a lot of people like it. I hate it. This touchpad interface is just clunky, and it has these little haptic tickbacks when you, you, like, mouse over something. But look at that. We got, like, what, 30 or 40 different things that we can click on there. That does not say intuitive to me. Also, the right screen comes and goes, depending on how you're doing it. And you want to put in a point of interest? Look at this. We got a keyboard up there. The keyboard, you're typing in Starbucks, and you're like all over the place, and you're trying to use a little key cursor thing to get where you're going, and you overrun, and you try to chase it back, and it just, it, it, intuitive, it is not. Um, I, I find it actually uh, not, not, not cool at all. Do either of you guys really like this system? No, not at all. No? No? Probably the worst in the industry. Yeah, you think so? Without a question. Okay. Okay, good. Um, now we're going to move on to um, if the LC500 is a bad example of places we've been in CarTech, the Audi TT here is probably one of the best. Um, all navigation entertainment is integrated directly into the dashboard in the driver's line of vision. You notice th there wasn't um, there wasn't like an, a, a nav screen in the middle between the driver and the passenger, which is pretty cool. Um, it's called the virtual cockpit, and this even includes Google Earth. Uh, wherever you go, you got Google Earth, and it has that same searchable functionality that you would expect from Google Earth. Uh, you can type in whatever you want. Here you're typing in with, an, with a little pad, and unlike the Volvo system, this one actually seems to read my handwriting much better. Um, all, again, same kind of technology, just slightly different implementation. One's better than the other. But anyway, this one is fantastic, and I, I really like it. Um, that's the basic roundup of what, what we're looking at in systems today. I mean, there are other systems. There's you know, Mazda, Hyundai. Everybody has a system these days. Uh, and that's, this isn't even touching on CarPlay, Android Auto, and all of those mobile kind of integration systems. That, that's kind of, uh, that, that is the subject of its own potential show down the road. Um, but before I move on to our guests, I want to talk about a AAA study that came out. Now, the AAA report looked into accidents and how many of them relate to the use of nav systems in the vehicle. And I, they didn't give us a lot of details as to, like, exactly the process they found out, you know, to, to find out that one vehicle was ranked higher than another vehicle. But the, the end result was basically that systems like the, the Mustang were considered to be dangerous compared to even the Toyota systems, which weren't considered to be so dangerous. Now, now my initial thinking, now, when you use computers, you're like, well, if it's easy to use, it's safer. But is it really? Or is it like the freeway? You're driving down the freeway, your mind checks out. You're like, oh, I'm just driving down the freeway. It's no big deal. However, if you're on a windy road and you're going through the countryside, and you got to pay attention or you're going to die. So is it that same kind of an idea where... 
the nav systems, when they become so easy and so intuitive, do they become more distracting because we are more engaged with them? Our systems like the Toyota one, which I do not like, is that one so difficult to use that people are like, you know what? I, I can't figure this thing out when I'm parked, so I'm not even going to think about looking at that while I'm driving. I, I'm kind of wondering if that's kind of the angle people are going at here. So on that note, the note of potential death on the road, uh, let's join us. Uh, let's, let's go talk to our guests. Uh, so joining us from uh, Minnesota is, of course, for those who just joined us, this is uh, Joel on the left there, because uh, he's out on the East Coast. Uh, he's with MotorAuthority.com. And then over in Oregon, you are in Oregon, aren't you, Sarah? I am outside of Portland. Okay, great. There's Sarah Shelton from U.S. News and World Report. Welcome to you both, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank I like you. that. Joel, you got the little, like, European fetter, so we know who fetter is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually a wedding gift from a friend in Germany. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not to get off topic here. Um, I want to uh, first question, and uh, Sarah, we're going to start with you. What's your current take on infotainment systems, and do you have a favorite that really checks all the boxes? Well, I think it's a little bit disappointing that not one car company has a system that works well all of the time. And, you know, so many people that I talk to, it's like you with the Lexus or with the Volvo, the, it would be nice if anytime you got into a car, the infotainment system just worked flawlessly. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, I think that the one that for me stands um, above the others is Volvo. I love the new system where you can display Apple CarPlay while you can still quickly and easily get to um, your seating adjustments, your climate adjustments other uh, options like that. I've had some bumps with it myself. Again, you know, like there's that, that whole issue where things aren't working well. <laughs> um, that's, that's probably my, my favorite, followed closely by uh, uh, FCA's Uconnect, mm. and I love their system for how you can customize it. I wish that more car companies would start to bring that functionality into their infotainment system. Okay, it's interesting that the Uconnect you would pick, it doesn't support CarPlay or Android Auto currently, does it? Or Incorrect. Do is that incorrect? It's 4.0 for 2018. Got it. Okay, wow. so 2018. We're, all, we're on the cutting edge here, and uh, that's a good segue to you, Joel. What's, what, what do you got on that? Uh, I'm similar to, to what Sarah said. I think I, a little reversed. I actually think Uconnect is my favorite today, and for similar reasons, um, you know, I have actually a vehicle that you connect to my garage right now. Um, ironically, it's Trackhawk. Um, but... Uh, it, 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 I like the way he dropped that there. But you got to say it this way, Joel. Trackhawk. I don't have that functionality. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> not as cool as you. Uh, but but it, it's got big buttons. Mm -hmm. It's fast. It's mm -hmm. simple to use. Like Sarah said, you can access other functions while you're using. If I'm on an audio screen, CarPlay, whatever, the bottom row still shows other functions, and I can quickly get to them and then quickly get back. Mm -hmm. It's to the point where... I can get in a Uconnect vehicle, even with an FCA person, and blow them away because I've memorized the system to the point where I can get in a car, change all the radio settings, including the, the travel base and all that, change my seat settings, change the car's lock settings and all that in under a minute. I mean, it's it's simple to use. Mm -hmm. at, at the same time, I agree with Sarah that, like, I like Volvo's system, but like you said, takes a little long to boot up. That's annoying. Um, 
Volkswagen's Volkswagen's latest system is really great, but also a little slow to boot. I can be a block away from my house and now I can start <laughs> using it. That's a little ridiculous. And it becomes uh, it becomes more of a worry when the rear view camera won't even come up because the system is busy. So you get in your yes. car, you start it, you start it back up, and you're like, "Where's my rear view? I paid for that." <laughs> right, right, right. So, so uh, you know, I, I a lot of systems do it well. A lot Volkswagen. Uh, GM's MyLink or Chevy, whatever you want to call the Chevy and the GMC systems, uh, and Buick, I guess. <laughs> All the same, different <laughs> skins. Uh, FCA, Volvo, there's a lot of them do it well, which is we're lucky to have. At the unfortunate end of it, it's, it, a lot of them have the same issue. They're slow to boot, and that is a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Uconnect from FCA is far and on the best currently. And, and the 8.0 or the 4.0 from 18 adds CarPlay. It adds the higher definition screen, so it's not as grainy. Uh, it adds a lot of the functionality that's been missing. Now, I noticed neither of you came up with the Audi system, which is a lot of bells and whistles and really fancy, but that's not a favorite for either of you? Sarah first. Uh, not, really, not really for me. Um, I, don't, I don't like systems where I have to do like a, a handwriting to get inputs or, or I can only use something that's right here where my hand is instead of some easier redundant buttons or a quick and fast touch screen. Okay. Joel? I think I equate uh, MMI from Audi, uh, BMW's iDrive, Mercedes Command. At this point, not like we've come a long way in each one of the three systems. I lump them together uh, because they're all using rotary dials, touch pads, and, and, and hard buttons now. They each have hard buttons added to them. And I think that while they're easy to use, there's a learning curve there that can be frustrating to some. Maybe us that get in cars all the time, you know, we're used to them. I can get in them and I can navigate pretty quickly. But to a consumer, you're going to learn it. You're going to adapt to it. But there's a learning curve. And, and that's that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, like even Mercedes, that's not the only learning curve. You also have to learn how to get the car into gear. Uh, because <laughs> it's like, what, what's going on? Okay, that changed like 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm still bitter, though. Can I still be bitter about that one? Um, did either of you read the AAA report? Uh, Sarah, did you read that? Yes, I did. What did you, you think about that? Well, I, I thought that it was interesting, the, the tasks that they were asking people to use. When it comes to uh, talking about distractions and, and how infotainment systems are adding or, or removing distractions, I think that when it comes to doing things like mapping, like if I'm going to figure out where a restaurant is and, and try to map to it, I'm not really sure those are tasks people are doing when they're driving, no matter what system they're using. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joel? I did read it. We covered it on our sister site, The Car Connection. That's actually where um, I saw the report, by the way. Sorry? That's where I first saw the report, was on your site. Well, I'm glad you read our site, <laughs> Ryan. Thank you for the click. Um, so, so here's the deal. A couple thoughts on it. Um, let's see, FCA calling me. Um, <laughs> sorry, they're watching. Um, <laughs> different topic. I'm sure they're calling about. No, no, I'm sure uh, they're watching. So, 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 a couple thoughts on it. One, sky is blue, grass is green. Duh, like, duh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, 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 uh, I agree with her on the task. So, first off, I don't care if you're voicing, voice te- texting while driving. Just don't text and drive. Like, just don't be an idiot. Like, it's just, there's no text that's worth it. Call me. Hands-free, call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, sorry, and I keep looking back because I have the report on my screen. And I, that's I have good, no, that's good. Uh, it's two, uh, the, the whole inputting navigation directions while you're driving, first off, I don't know if people are doing it, right. but they shouldn't be. Right. Like, yeah. 
do it when you get in the car. Like I do that in the car. I use ways to you get can't to do it in the car because you have to wait five minutes for your car to boot. So there's that too. There's the, maybe that's why they're doing it when they're driving because they have to wait for it to boot up. Uh, but don't do it while you're driving mm-hmm. again, because and, and you're looking there and you're not looking here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they noted that a lot of systems lock you out while you're driving. You can't input, which is smart. Even ways will pull up if you're moving down the road and say. Uh oh, it looks like you're driving because your phone's moving with the GPS. Right. Are you the passenger? And you can bypass it by saying you're the passenger, whether you are or aren't, they don't even know. But it, it's trying to say, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this, dummy. Uh, so it's distracting. How many times have either of you been in a car with a passenger and the passenger is like, hey, I want to put it in an alternate direction? Oh, I can't. It's locked me out. Because even though I'm a passenger, yeah. why can't I why can't I do this? They have butt sensors in the seats, just you know literally zero times in my entire life. Really? Zero? Really? Oh, Zero. This, like I, I must ride with people more often. This happens frequently, and it, it's <laughs> frustrating when they can't be connecting their own phone or putting in, you know, an address. When you can't have your passenger helping you out because the system locks you out, that's. I had, a, I had a new level of annoyance. I just I have the uh, the new uh, Genesis, um, the the G80. Um, it won't let you save your seat position unless the car is stopped and in park. Whoa. So like there are a couple cars that are like that it's like, now. I, are you kidding me? I don't know what my seat position is right until I've driven for 20 minutes. Now I got to stop, pull over, and as we go, yeah, which not 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 my favorite thing. Okay, so we have all of this great tech. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it's ugly. Um, do you think that the human need for entertainment at all the time, like 24/7? is pushing us towards autonomous driving. Is that one of the key motivators towards getting autonomous cars on the road? Saving us Joel, from ourselves. Joel, you wanna go first? Yeah, Joel, why don't you, would you hit that? Um, <laughs> well, so I, I, I just went to the launch of Cadillac Super Cruise. So okay. it's an interesting topic. I spent 17 hours in a car that basically drove me for the most part. Um, I'm not sure that I would say our demand for consumption of media and entertainment is what's driving the march to self-driving cars. Um, in fact, I would actually say that's the first time I'd heard someone say that. I reason. just came up with it. And, 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 I, and I, I've never heard that reason before. I, I The reason I hear, um, the, the reasons I hear automakers tell us to, to do this, because we just, you know, we talked to Audi about their level three system and, and I just went to the super cruise system, is automakers are claiming a safety function, and then they're also claiming uh, a, a better a better experience. So, like, they get that drivers want to drive themselves when they're in the, the curves and all that stuff, right? But when you're going along and marching along 30 miles an hour in rush hour, or you're literally going on a highway in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, at 70 miles an hour for four hours, <laughs> those aren't fun driving experiences. Those are boring driving experiences. Yeah. And so I think that's why automakers are doing the march and pushing towards the autonomous future. In a personal note on autonomous future, I don't know if you've been on the road, but most people don't actually know how to drive, and it's very concerning, and they can't seem to go five seconds without texting, mm-hmm. whether it's voice or otherwise. Right, right. And so that's why I feel that everyone should be in a self-driving car but me. So, <laughs> But you. <laughs> I'm looking at the safety factor of it, but, but after driving in Super Cruise in tra- rush hour traffic, I got back home into Durango SRT been a really weird waste. name dropping um, and and i thought to myself and i was stuck in traffic and i was like this is great i have 475 horsepower and i'm going 20 miles an hour why am i steering like i literally was just why do i have to steer it right now yeah easily adaptable to a more sedentary life um sarah do you got an idea on that 
You know, I think that the concern is is that some of these systems where they do a portion of the steering, they they can check with the radar where the car in front of you is, if they're slowing down, if they're speeding up. I think that the worry is is that people are going to be encouraged to be more distracted and, um, you know, getting onto Yelp to, to look at where they want to go and have coffee and finding the directions for it. And, and so I think while we're sort of in this in-between phase where cars help with some portions mm -hmm. but aren't doing the full amount of driving and you still have to stay plugged in and focused to a certain extent, I think that's going to lead to some problems. And they just keep adding more and more things that your infotainment system can do. They need to maybe, maybe look into ways to slim it back down again and keep people's focus back on the road. Okay, 2050, what, what kind of cars do you guys see on the road in terms of entertainment and uh, autonomy? Uh, Sarah, why don't you go first? Uh, I think in terms of autonomy, you're going to see uh, if, if cars aren't fully autonomous by then, then um, you know something has gotten derailed in our progression forward here. I think, um, and I and I think that people will be wanting to be like you said. They're we enjoy being entertained all the time, having a screen in front of us as much as possible. So replace a windshield so, with like a big uh, what would it be 20k projection system at that point. Uh, just like, yeah. Forget the road. Well, we've you, seen don't, you don't need to know that at all. We've seen a few concept cars where the front is just essentially a series of screens that mm -hmm. uh, you can, you know, play games and look at music and check in on social media and, and all sorts of things like that. Even and Ray so, Bradbury couldn't imagine that one. Joel, what do you got? 2050, what do you got? 2050 is a long ways away, man. That's 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 35, 33 years away from now. We'll be um, really old. Both of us will be in retirement homes. <laughs> 33 years. <laughs> I, I, I really am retired. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think that, I mean, I, I mean, I think it goes to what Sarah said, you know, we're on this March right now and they've got all these regulations, goals and aspirations. And that's what I'm gonna call them aspirations. And I think that a lot of this can be regulatory. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think that the tech will come, uh, faster than the infrastructure, mm -hmm. the infrastructure needs to be put in place. And I think that the regula regulations need to be put in place. And I don't know if you pay attention to our government, but we're not the fastest moving, most organized bunch. So uh, Sometimes a good thing. <laughs> sometimes. God, it depends on the topic. Uh, so so, so I, 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 the answer is I don't know, because I think it really depends on the infrastructure and the regulations. I don't think that the technology will be our issue. And so... But it scares me. I got a three and a half year old and an 18 month old. The thought that they might never learn how to drive a stick or they might never drive a car powered by gasoline and certainly my grandchildren never will. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like as an enthusiast, that's terrifying. Right. As a parent, it's like, oh, thank God they're not going to get in a car accident. But as an enthusiast, it's like, but then again, I have a classic car that has a manual transmission and gasoline engine from 1990. Are you going to ban that in the city? Wait, did you Paris, say a classic France, car that's 1990? <laughs> You have a 1990 that's a it's classic a collector's car now, by the way. By legal standards, it's a collector's car. Um, but but, um, but it goes back to that makes me feel old. Uh, I know it's collector plates, we don't pay tabs anymore, though. So, but the point is, are they, are they gonna ban those cars? Like, those cars aren't gonna go off the road. Mm -hmm. The average car on the road today is, and I don't remember the I don't remember the report, but the last report I saw was like 13 or 11 and a half years old. 11 and a half years old is a long time, yeah. And that's the average car, not the oldest car. Right. So unless you're going to ban cars in city centers, which California is introducing a bill to do it, mm -hmm. the Dutch just did by 2030, uh, Paris is 2025, 
we have an emissions problem. We have an emissions problem. Have you driven in Paris? It's probably not a bad thing. Have you been through the Paris airport? <laughs> they got a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and, I think, wrap this one up. Thank you uh, to uh, both my guests for coming out all this way from Oregon and Minneapolis, Minnesota, Michigan. Ah, Minnesota, this is Joel. I can never remember where you are, man. Okay, well, cool. Well, thanks uh, to our guests for coming out for the show. Normally, we would do a Q&A, but um, uh, we're running late. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. And our next show that we have coming up will be on filming cars, everything you need to know about filming cars. We're gonna have a couple guests, uh, producers, uh, fellow producers on the show, and we're gonna talk about um, all that kind of stuff. Thanks again for watching. I'm Ryan Douthat, this has been Driving Sports Live, and we will see you next time.